Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Hello, hello to all of you out there in the world. Wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, thanks for being here. I'm your host, Shannon Labrie, and you're listening to Human Trafficking True Crime, presented by Last Word. We're the one and only podcast telling the truth about human trafficking. We aim to give victims and survivors the last word. If you like what you hear and you want to help support the show, you can do so through a few ways. By donating at lastwordbysl.com. You can follow us at Human Trafficking LW Pod on Instagram. You can shop our merch at lastwordbysl.com. You can always rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're streaming from now. And you can follow us on our brand page, which is lastword underscore by SL on Instagram or just lastword on Facebook. At 14 years old, you start to become your own person. You're not quite an adult, but you're no longer a child. Most 14-year-olds will push the boundaries and the rules set by their parents. But when this 14-year-old goes beyond the normal teenager rebellion, things in her life change drastically. She starts to steal money from her mother. She starts sneaking out. And on one such occasion, she takes her mother's paycheck to get a tattoo of her boyfriend's name on her arm. These actions would change the course of her life forever. Her mother would send her away to live with family, and she seemingly would walk away one night after a 4th of July party and never be seen or heard from again. Tonight, we give Ashley Summers the last word. Hi, Megan. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> it's been a while, I guess. It has. Uh, yes, it has. Life has taken taken hold of all the things, and we have definitely been away for a minute, but we are back. Uh, so apologize for the delay. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And we are excited to share this story with you. We are excited to share this story. And hopefully we can get this individual's name and her story out there and maybe bring closure to her family and hopefully find her somewhere out there in the world because she is somewhere. That is very true. So have you heard of Ashley Summer's story before? I have not actually, no. So this story I actually first came across on the TV show Disappeared. Um, Totally was like obsessed with that show. Uh, But this young girl's case was there. And as I ventured down the human trafficking path, her name kind of popped up a few times. And I thought, you know what? It is very fitting. Everything that was leading up um, in her life, leading up to her disappearance is a lot of the tall tale signs that these kids go through um, before they become trafficked. So I thought it 
you know, it's a possibility that she could have been trafficked and could still be out there. I know you guys can't see this, but our lights are changing. <laughs> it's very little, odd. <laughs> that was a little weird. <laughs> okay. What is Charles doing back there? <laughs> it's all right. Set the mood, Charles. We'll just keep going. <laughs> so Ashley Summers was born on June 16th, uh, 1993, and she's the oldest of all of her siblings. And she comes from a really big extended family. Um, her dad wasn't really involved in her life, left when she was young. And um, like I said, she had a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins. And because it was such a big family, she would have like aunts that were just a handful of years older than her or uncles, mm-hmm. um, you know, and cousins. So it's like that different dynamic, not your typical, your aunt or uncle is much older than you. Um Ashley's mom comes has lots of siblings and so the age gap is pretty big and thus some of Ashley's aunts and uncles are closer in age to her than her her mom. So they probably more along the lines of grow up like cousins, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um or like you know an older si- sibling, older mm-hmm. sister. So she would end up having three younger siblings and they all lived in the Cleveland, Ohio area. So Ashley story, the backstory kind of is that she is 14. She's starting to rebel. Like I said, in the case intro, um, she starts dating a man that's 16. She's 14. Mm. He's 16. And from everything I read, mom was not really a fan of this kid. Uh, just, you know, probably because she's rebelling and right. she's acting out. And, and she'd be what, in eighth grade? Or I guess freshman in high school? Yeah. It really I depends. I think she was, I think she was in eighth grade. Hmm. Yeah, I think she was in eighth grade. I don't actually have that in my notes at the top. I'm sure it's somewhere in here. But yeah, you're 14, so you're either in. Well, I think she's was going into ninth grade, actually. Like, she had just completed her eighth grade year because she okay. went missing in the summer. So, right. Um, yeah. Okay. So she's rebelling and she's dating this older man, and her, you know, she starts arguing with her mom and her siblings. And because she has such a big family, after she stole some money from her mother, like, her mother's entire paycheck and then Ashley shows up with a tattoo on her arm with a heart and her boyfriend's name in it at 14. Um, (laughs) How, how, because I, I tried to do that and it didn't work. I'm just kidding. I definitely didn't try that. I'm Sorry, like, you mom. tried to get a tattoo <laughs> at 14. I mean, I, I pierced my, my belly button well, at 15, 14 you know, with ear piercing gun. I went to the internet, okay? And I was like, how do you get a tattoo when you're under 18, right? I think you have to have a consent, don't you? You do. So how did In she theory. do that? Well, it comes out later, but, well, yeah, it, uh... At the time, her mom didn't know this, but once Ashley goes missing, it came out that I guess somebody in the family helped her 
get this tattoo, <laughs> which has caused some family rift because there's theories about her disappearance and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So she gets this tattoo. She's stealing money from her mom. She's sneaking out. So at this point, she goes to live with like her aunt, which they all live in like the same vicinity of each other. Um, and so she's staying with her aunt. And I think from there, she's kind of bouncing back and forth between, you know, being with her aunt or staying at her grandparents to, you know, going back to her aunt's. And she ends up going to a family, like, 4th of July party where she is at this party. She's seen by family members, um, and then she leaves the party. But before that, she actually gets into an argument with one of her uncles, and the conversation or what caused the argument has not really been completely clear. Yeah. yeah. They haven't He's, talked about it. The uncle states that she was gossiping and he got, you know, mad about whatever she was saying. I've read accounts that she was texting somebody. I've heard accounts that she was on the phone with someone. Either way, they get in an argument. He breaks her phone. She goes to this 4th of July party. She's seen at the party by family, supposedly. So they weren't at the party arguing? No, I think she okay. was at her uncle's house. Okay. Um, And then she goes to this party, and she's, by all accounts, according to family, like, having fun. Like, she's fine. She's having a good time. But then she leaves. Now, that was on... July, like, 7th, I believe. Now, the dates get a little wonky because she is staying with... A bunch of different people. And it took several days for her mom to realize that nobody knew where she was. Or, like, the last time anyone had talked to her. Um, And so, some reports say that the last time she was seen was July 9th. Now, her missing, you know, missing posters and stuff all say July 9th. But I have also read that the party was July 7th and July 9th was when her mom realized that she was gone and contacted police. Then I've also read that the police waited several days before they even took the report. So there's even more of a delay. You know, it could have been the 5th or 6th. Mom notices the 7th, and then the 9th is when the actual report is. It's kind of wonky at this point. Like, it's not actually been clear-cut. And unfortunately, that happens a lot in missing Mm -hmm. cases. Things get lost in translation, and police don't act right away. So it takes several days before the police get involved. And there is, like, an argument over which district is going to take it because mom lives in one police district. The party was in another where she was staying was in another. Like, so it's like, everyone's like, it's not mine, your responsibility. So no one really like takes responsibility. Um, but my notes say that she was missing on the seventh was when the mom noticed and the official police report was filed on the ninth. Hmm. 
So before that, like in the meantime, when the mom is waiting these days, like they're canvassing the area, they're trying to like, you know, they're driving around looking. So mind you, this is 2007 and she doesn't have a cell phone because her uncle broke it. Yep. Which is insane. Um, and from my research, the mom has never gotten the phone records. Like, I also listened to another podcast and the step, her step grandma was interviewed and she stated that she doesn't even believe that the police ever got the phone records, which oh, wow. I think is too late to even try to get them now, I, I would imagine. Probably from tw- 2007. Yeah. You never know. I mean, that's like Roxanne Paltoff. She went missing in 2000. What was it? Six? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. Yeah. But they got her phone records because their family, you know, they acted on it. But you don't. There's not a book. There's not like a rule book to follow. Like, oh, some, let me Google when your family go missing. Like, what are the top things you need to do? Yeah. You know, you don't think about. I don't about, think phone records are number one. Well, and in but... 2007, like, I don't even remember. I don't even remember if my online account had my phone records. I think I still got paper records back then. <laughs> Anyways, so this is all happening in July and there's nothing that really like, that's it. The boyfriend gets interviewed and apparently has an alibi and he's on a family vacation at the time with his, his family. Now reports I've read later state that the father, his father was his alibi. Now I'd like to know if the police have gone back and re verified this alibi from this right. boyfriend because they could have started their trip a few days earlier or a few days later or dad could be lying because that's, he knows his son did something that's and true was you know plus you're 14 you're getting you're getting his name my dad would murder someone if i got my a tattoo at 14 let alone a boy's name like i oh, yeah. my dad would not be cool with that mm-hmm. Like, at all. Now, I understand, like, her dad's not in the picture, but still, like, I just could not even imagine. Now, that's pretty much it. Like, there's no, they don't have any type of leads. There's nothing that comes in. She goes missing. They say that she was at this family, like, barbecue for Fourth of July pool party thing. And that was that. Like, police get involved. They pretty much deem her, ding, 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 a runaway. Um, especially leading up to all the things that she, you know, she had been rebelling and acting out. Like, they totally just deem her a runaway. They don't really think much of it. Now, in November of 2007, her gr- step-grandmother and her grandfather, who also had young children at the time, Wait, what? I know. Hold on. Her family is very big. So now she's got aunts and uncles that are like younger than her. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I think it's one of those things where it's like babies having babies. Okay. But I don't know. But yeah. So her her step-grandma and her grandpa are driving down Main Street, Cleveland, and they're heading east toward like the downtown area. And... It's like a 25 mile an hour area. And from what I read, step grandma is driving 
and grandpa's in the passenger seat. And she sees a girl walking toward them on the passenger side. Okay. And she said that the girl had a jacket that resembled a coat that was similar to Ashley's and that the girl had blonde hair and it was cut and that the area they were in was like known for prostitution, but that it was also close to Jennifer's house, which is Ashley's mom's house. Okay. Um, and so they kind of were like, Oh my God, like that looks like Ashley, but her, you know, features are different. She's got blonde hair. She cut it. So she like drives down and flips it and starts to like come back. And they see this girl cross the street and go down an alley. And when they get up to that alley, like the girl's gone. So So she just disappears. Yeah. In the alley in the middle of the night. Um, Now, the grandma says the step grandma says that she doesn't report this because she didn't know who to call. And that at the time the police weren't really working her case. Um, and then she, she also, they said that she had a jacket similar to Ashley's, right? Like a big, it was one of those like big puffy jackets, but, but I'm like, everybody had those in, in July. Summer. I know, but, but it is Ohio. So I guess, Yeah, but, but, but she's also, that's the other thing is they don't know what, like if she did walk away on her own, no one really knows what she took. If she took anything because she was staying at like, she could have packed, she could have had a go bag ready at any given point. Right. Or everybody had a puffy jacket in 2007 in Cleveland. I mean, come on. I don't really know that because I was, you know, seven, but God, (laughs) Exactly. Well, anyway, so that's what the grandma says. And this grandma, like, says that she doesn't report it to the police because she didn't think that at the time the police were even investigating her case, which makes sense. And she said that later on she she told police, but that no one in the police department or the FBI has ever asked her to this day about this 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 incident. Like, not... To this day, no one's questioned her on it. Um, now, the family members that were having the 4th of July party, I've the, the step-grandma has been reported of saying that her and her husband, Ashley's grandpa, were under the impression that they this fam, these family members weren't living in the area at the time. So there's like this confusion on whether or not she actually was at this party or not. Like Mm -hmm. years later, it's coming out that like they're arguing over whether or not these family members even lived in the area at the time. Some are saying they did. Some are saying they didn't like, and then that's when it comes out that the mom finds out that some of the family members were involved in her like aiding in her getting this tattoo and basically enabling this crazy behavior um, which is insane to me. So she may or may not have been at the party. That's that's to be determined. Half family is saying that she was. Some of the family members are like, "Well, we didn't even think that that these family members were living in the area; that they were living like super far away at the time." Mm-hmm. So there's like mass confusion on whether or not 
the family members that were having the party were even living in the area at the time and whether or not Ashley actually was at this party. But then there's some family members that are like, no, we were living in the area and she was at this party. So it's like, no one really knows. Wow. Um, I'm a little, wow. That's a lot of family for one. I'm just thinking about a mass family reunion in July. And then also it sounds like, some of the family was just mad that they weren't invited to the party. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that is funny you say that because the, the step-grandma does say that, like, she, you know, I definitely, when you have big families like that, not everybody gets along. That's like, there's true. definitely, yeah. like, you know, Cousin Ernie really done pissed me off, so we don't talk anymore. Like, crazy crap. Um, yeah. So who knows? I mean, that very well could be. But also when you have that many people, it's like, I'm also imagining... The telephone game. Everyone says yeah. the same thing, but by the time it gets to the... It's like a completely different story. I'm imagining a lot of step family as well. Yes, I'm I think so. I'm gathering that there might be a lot of step relations. Yeah, I definitely think so. Now, over the course of Ashley being missing there was a possible theory that her disappearance was connected to the disappearance of two other missing girls out of Cleveland. And you may have heard of these girls, mm-hmm. Amanda Berry and Gina de Jesus. Okay. Do you remember a man named Fidel Castro? Not yeah. Fidel Castro. That's <laughs> <a> rough- <laughs> Yeah, totally. I know exactly. That's a communist. I didn't even mean to say that. Ariel Castro. Gosh, correction. I'm sorry, guys. It's been a while. So Amanda Berry and Gina de Jesus were also missing out of Cleveland. Um, Amanda Berry was 16 at the time, and she went missing in April of 2003, and Gina de Jesus was 14, and she went missing in April of 2004. Now, then in 2007, you have Ashley Mm -hmm. and they're all in the same like radius of each other. So police kind of theorize, theorize that maybe these girls were all connected. Well, I'm sure many of our listeners who know who Ariel Castro is, not Fidel Castro, (laughs) excuse me, um, In May of 2013, Amanda Berry escaped and this Ariel Castro was holding not only Amanda Berry and Gina de Jesus, but a third girl, Mm. uh, Michelle Knight, captive in his house. And he actually had fathered a child with Amanda Berry. Now, when these girls were discovered... I mean, it took a while before the news leaked their names out. You know, they got to let family members know. They're trying to figure out who they are. Um, So for a while, they knew that it was Amanda and Gina, but Michelle Knight's name didn't get released to the public for a while. And so Ashley's parents or her family thought she might be the third because this was all literally Mm -hmm. within like the same several block radius of each other. Unfortunately, it was not Ashley, um, and it was this Michelle Knight who actually had disappeared in 2002. 
Wow. At the age of 20. And police weren't even looking for that girl. That that entire story, if you don't know about that story, I highly suggest finding a podcast on it or listening about it, reading about it. It's it's insane. Um, but yeah. Uh so now jumping forward, like they realize he did not like he Amanda Ashley was not in the house with the other girls, so they don't believe that Ariel Castro was involved in her disappearance. Right, yeah, because that's how that works if you're a known trafficker. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, he, I guess he more might not was be like kidnapped. Mo- yeah. yeah, I don't know that he was necessarily, he was like, he had held them captive for years, mm-hmm. um, locked them up. They were chained to like, you know, God knows what in like, you know, right. secret room in their house and, you know, by the grace of God, Amanda Berry was able to like escape one day. You should watch. There's a video of the man that like hears her and he, he's like trying to eat his McDonald's. (laughs) Now, mind you, this isn't the greatest of areas. Like if you look at this area, like, I mean, it's, it's a lower income poverty stricken area. It's, you know, you wouldn't want to be stuck there mm-hmm. by yourself after dark kind of place. Um, but the guy that ends up calling and giving Amanda her phone, like, it's just funny. You got to watch the video. And then <laughs> like, I want to say McDonald's like gave him a bunch of free food too. It was kind of, I think, I don't know that be fact, but I feel like I read that somewhere, but <laughs> it's, it's crazy. You got to watch it. So that's in 2013. When all of that comes out. Mm-hmm. Now, jumping forward to... So there hasn't really been a quote-unquote sighting of Ashley since November of 2007. And we can't even confirm we that that even, was her. Yeah. Okay. All right. She's just poof, gone. hmm Yeah. Now, in 2019... Her great uncle has his house searched in relation to her disappearance. And in 2020, he is sentenced to 35 years in prison and pleads guilty to numerous counts of rape, attempted rape, gross sexual imposition against multiple minors, crimes which happened over a 25-year period. So basically her great uncle's a sicko. Oh my God. And now like other family members from what I've read started coming forward that he was having inappropriate relationships with them and they went to the police and the FBI get involved. And so now they're like, well, let's look into this. Your niece or your great niece is missing and you have all these other family members that are saying that you had inappropriate relationships they search his house. They don't find anything related, excuse me, to Ashley's disappearance. But in 2020, he pleads guilty and he's sentenced to 35 years for all this inappropriate Others. crap. Yeah. Wow. So now there's... Is that the same... No, because that was an uncle that broke her phone. 
I see, and this is where I get confused. And like my research, I'm like, I, I thought the same thing. I was questioning, is this the same uncle that broke her phone? No, I do not believe so. I okay. think that was her uncle. I think this was her great uncle. Two different uncles. Okay. I think it was Uncle Kevin that broke her phone. And I believe that this uncle's name was Donathan. If I've got that correct. Okay. Yeah. So I think they're two separate uncles. Interesting. Great uncle and a regular uncle. But this case is so weird. And like the family is so big that you're just kind of like, I, I need a family tree. It's like, all I, like I need he a said, visual. she said, like very, wow. Yeah. So. He other than. He's in jail and that's that. That's that's all I gotta say about that. That's pretty much it. Like her case is that's it. Now I definitely think that the uncle and his or the great uncle and his now arrest if I I need to find I would like to find clarification on whether or not it's the same uncle that broke her phone or not, but I do not believe it is. I think it's mm -hmm. like a totally different uncle. Um Oh, you know what? I am totally wrong. It is the same uncle that argued with her on the day of her disappearance. Ooh. I knew Hot I thought my end. I thought my notes were wrong. It is the same uncle. The same uncle that argued with her and broke her phone the day that she disappeared is the same uncle that was sentenced to 35 years in prison in 2022. It's 2020. Mm. My goodness. Um now I knew that that was wrong because as I'm reading my notes I'm like this doesn't make sense if that's not right. So I want to know like where I'm at in this case with her is the situation with the uncle and her arguing with him on the like night that the day that she, you know, he breaks her phone or whatever. And if that is the day that she like, quote unquote, goes missing. I want to know like what that argument was about and was he being sexually explicit with her and she was done or did she find out that he was having inappropriate relationships with other family members and that's what the drama was? Yeah, maybe. I don't... But then I also go back to the boyfriend. Those are my two main suspects. The great uncle and the boyfriend. Like, the boyfriend supposedly is on vacation in Alabama with his family. Like, I want to know if the FBI ever talked to him. Well, I mean... To verify that. Right. I mean, I know that they've talked to him according to my notes, but like, have they actually verified that he really was or is, are they just going off of his dad's word? And they did. Um, they wanted to give him a lie detector test, but because he was a minor at the time, his father refused, hmm. which my dad would have done the same thing. Now, since this, he's had drug violations um you know he's been involved in different low-level crimes um and he has the boyfriend gene has said that he dropped ashley off at her uncle's house but didn't say like where he had picked her up from like days leading before she like disappeared so that's kind of that like 
Oh, that's just, I don't know. Uh. I kind of wonder if the boyfriend was involved. Like, you're getting a tattoo. That's true, but that could also just be a 14-year-old girl's head. You know? Maybe. She graduated from drawing hearts and butterflies on her notepad to inking her skin. I don't know, though. The uncle... I'm leaning more towards the uncle, I guess. Really? But then I'm like, where did she go? Because if they... If they got, like, he was doing a lot of family stuff, right? So, oh, that just sounded so wrong. I don't know. I think that the boyfriend should be re-interviewed. I think when you look at her boyfriend and what he has done with his life since Ashley went missing, it reminds me of Roxanne Paltoff and Mm. what her loser boyfriend has done with his life since she went missing. And the fact that he has, you know, violence, you know, on his records, he's got drugs on his record. Like he's not, you know, stellar, stellar member of society. It makes you wonder, like, is he trying to mask do like, you know what I mean? Mask the pain of what he's done. Um, plus, I understand 14 and 16 isn't that big of an age difference, but when you're 14 and someone's 16, that's a big difference. That is a huge difference. So that's a lot. That's a lot of years. <laughs> right. When you think about it that way. Right. And I should say before Ashley went missing, one thing that led to like just the culmination of everything was Ashley's mom had a brick that was thrown through her window and it's been said that her boyfriend was like involved in that. Hmm. Whether or not that's true and whether or not that has anything to do with her disappearance, like no one really knows. But I also think when you're 14 and your mom is arguing with you and no one really agrees with the man that you're dating, that's just unfortunately going to push them farther the polar more toward that man yeah so i mean i think you know maybe what if he did go to alabama but ashley went with him that is very true they could have left right after the quote-unquote party that she may or may not have been at right and what if what if her boyfriend's father is also into nefarious crap and was involved in it you know Mm. Now, the thing with that is over time, you would think that someone's going to talk. So I don't know unless, you know, but I don't know. That's your kid. You might not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ashley's still missing to this day. They have no credible sightings whatsoever. That's just so I just like, I don't know. Today, it's hitting me a lot harder that like you could literally just disappear out of nowhere. Right. And the theory, like what has been said is that she left the party and was walking back to one of her other relatives house, which they all, like I said, lived in the same area. So Mm -hmm. did she come across someone that, you know, crime of opportunity and snagged her and who knows where she's at? Was her uncle involved? Was her boyfriend involved? You know, obviously it gives a lot of credence when the 
boyfriend or the uncle, excuse me, is now sitting in jail for attempted rape and gross sexual imposition against multiple mm. minors. I mean, he's obviously like, you know, a real great guy. Yeah. I mean, he could have had a hand in it. Boyfriend could have had a hand of it. But the also crime of opportunity, too, is that that's, can, that's a fair point as well. And you can't argue that that's not like, I mean, it's possible because those other girls were, you know, Ariel Castro's yeah, right around victims there. were all right around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love when you talk about like true crime and everyone's like, yeah, but crime of opportunity is so rare. And, but really it's not, we're talking about no. people that are missing yeah. anyways. So like the rarity of someone missing is already, you're already past that threshold. Right. Like, I wonder how often if you looked at a crime, quote unquote, crime of opportunity, how many patterns that you would see and come up with? I don't know. I don't know. It's always hard for me when people are like, the, the statistically speaking, I, I, I want to just like say <laughs> F off when I hear that because, I mean, I don't want to get into all of it, but my own cousin was murdered. So like, and that was a crime of opportunity. It just yeah. was, it happened. She was hitchhiking and, you know, got picked up by the wrong person and for a long, long time, like our entire family thought that Ted Bundy had murdered her and it wasn't until years and years and years later through DNA that they discovered that that was not the case, but it was a total crime of opportunity. It Mm. was just by happenstance, you know, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, hitchhiking a ride in the seventies. It just, it happened. So it's hard for me to sit here and be like, crime of opportunity like statistically speaking well yeah when you're talking about people that are already missing statistically speaking you're already past that like you've already <laughs> like met that statistic they're missing right. not everyone I just goes mean, missing like, crime of opportunity of like okay these are crime of opportunities of burglary or these right, are crime of right. opportunity of kidnappings these are crime of opportunities of murder Right. I, like that's a, yeah, are, I don't know. I wish. Yeah, that's that's something that I would want to know. Not necessarily like, oh, statistically, this is how many right. people you should start but, start a case study on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it goes I for will. you. Honestly, I that'd be a rabbit hole that. It, it, yeah, I mean, that um, would be a good statistic to have. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's mine hunter kind of crap, like knowing <laughs> yeah. all the different, you know, that's true. Never know. So that's all I have on Ashley's case. Do you have any last minute thoughts or things you want to add? Questions? I don't think so. This one's just kind of, this one's going to stick with me. I'm not going to lie. Like she just disappeared. Wow. And she was 14. Yeah. And like when you look at, we'll post obviously her pictures and stuff on our social and our blogs. But to me, she looks in some of her photos like a normal 14 year old, but in some of the rest of these photos, I'm like, she looks like a grown woman. She doesn't look 14. Mm-hmm. I did not look like that at 14. No, like at all. I looked like a normal weird 14 year old with blue eyeshadow. Right. Like, like very, very like baby face still kind of. Yeah. And, and she looks like a 17, 18 year old in some of these photos. She does. So, that to me also leads into this whole could she have been trafficked because you know she looks older she fits that mold she comes from a broken family you know 
Yeah. I don't know. Ashley's been missing since July 9th, 2007. She was 14 years old, 5'5 and 130 pounds. And anyone with information is asked to call the Cleveland Police Department at 216-623-5005. All right, guys. And before we go, we're going to do our weekly spotlight. First, we have Kahar Shelton. He has been missing since April 5th, 2022. He's 29 years old, and he has been missing from Camp Spring, Maryland. He is a black male, 6 feet tall, 160 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information is asked to call the Prince George County Police Department at 301-856-2660. Next, we have Grayson Shear. He's been missing since January 18th, 2022, from Baltimore, Maryland. He's a black male, 5'8", 165 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information is asked to call the Baltimore Police Department at 443-695-7145. And last, we have Anna Kate Jolly. She has been missing since November 19th, 2021. She's 30 years old, 5'6", 120 pounds, green eyes and brown hair. Anyone with information is asked to call the Oklahoma City Police Department at 405-297-1000. If you have a case from your country or you know of a human trafficking story that you think we should cover, please send that to us at info at lastword.com. It will take all of us fighting and speaking out to help end this crime. I want to thank you all again for listening and supporting Last Word in Human Trafficking True Crime. I promise I will continue to be loud about the crimes of exploitation, bold in my actions against it, and out there with my awareness through fashion. My hope is that you as well will be loud in your convictions, bold in your actions, and out there making a change. Stay vigilant, be aware, and remember what the world needs now is love, not hate.